from our CNG Studios. No, SCNG Studios. In beautiful downtown Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Paper building on a gloomy Tuesday afternoon. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm your host, Vince DiMaselli, editor-in-chief here at the Brooklyn Paper. We got a big show today, and I got some, I got some sad news coming out of Cincinnati. Tony Rotono, uh, my normally my guest host here, out sick today. He's out sick. It happens every once in a while, and apparently so bad he couldn't even talk to me. He could only send me emails. His uh, throat wasn't working. So joining me in the uh, in the co-pilot's chair this uh, this week is the one and only Gersh Kunstman Gersh from Streets Blog. It's good to have you here. It's great to be back, Vince. Thanks for having me on a relentless. Industrial-sized rain. Now I saw it when you came into the office today. You were soaking wet, and I was like, "Wow, Gersh is really sweating today." But it turned out that was not sweat at all. Well, you're familiar with me riding everywhere on my bike, Vince. I show up at press conferences completely sweaty. Today was a different experience, as I said, raining relentlessly. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it though. I enjoyed it. So nice it was, walk over here. So what? Ha- what happened? What I saw was not, in fact, bodily fluid, but you know, it was stuff from the sky. Indirectly, it's bodily fluid. Kind of, I guess. All right. Well, on our show today, just like I like to point out who's going to be on our show today. It's a big show. It is. It's a big show. Our biggest show was last week, but a bigger show this week. Zelnor Myrie is going to be here. Now, uh, he won the uh, primary election. He beat uh, Senator Jesse Hamilton. You know about this, Gersh? Oh, I know all about Jesse Hamilton. In fact, Zelnor Myrie gave streetsblog.org, my website, some great answers on a candidate questionnaire just before that election. So coincidence? You sent out, coincidence? I wish. <laughs> so you sent out. Uh, questionnaires to just about everyone? To all the candidates in competitive races. And as you know... And these 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 were about... Perhaps you know. <laughs> these five, were about five out of so the So these six were anti-car uh, br- uh, Street, questionnaires? Streets Blog is not an anti-car website, Vince. As you know, streetsblog.org and nyc.streetsblog.org is a website devoted to how cars are the problem in our urban areas. In other words, we have given too much space, too Mm -hmm. much of the public right-of-way to private automobiles. Hmm. That's all the site's about. That's really what it's about. Cycling, pedestrians, mass transit, these are ways to get around. Every story that you guys guys write comes from that angle, that, you know, we got to get rid of cars. I don't know if we got to get rid of cars. There are positive uses of cars and negative uses. The negative ones are in urban areas. We have given away... I'm going to play devil's advocate. What's the most positive use of a car? Well, I mean, there are people in rural areas, for example, who setting up a mass transit system in rural Iowa, for example, might be a bad use of public money. There's probably better ways to get those people around than private automobiles, but mm-hmm. I can't deny the fact that sometimes an automobile is, um, is, is useful, a useful tool. However, in urban areas, we have given away the entire public right-of-way, almost the entire public right-of-way, to automobiles, private automobiles. When did that start happening? Oh, it's it's been happening since the development of of the suburbs and uh, you know the suburbanification of even New York. The p- on-street car storage, which you probably call parking, we call it on-street car storage. I love it when it you could you could change the word. Or you can use different words in the English language to give to give off a different meaning. Well, it, no, by neutral objective viewpoint, parking on the street is on-street car storage. Private vehicles are stored overnight in. Every neighborhood in the city, and that didn't really start until the 1950s. People think, oh, it's just normal. It's actually not normal. Mm-hmm. What was what was the normal before that? Did you park your horse there? No, no, no. There was no on-street storage of any vehicles because mm-hmm. that's the public right-of-way. That space should be reserved for, well, people actually moving down the street, buses, pedestrians, bikes, 
That's getting, what it was for. Things getting from place to place, exactly. not things just sitting there. Literally sitting with your, not just your 2000 But if you took away all that on-street parking, what would the city do without all the income from parking tickets, Gersh? Uh, there's surprisingly little income from parking tickets. The city could, div- well, the city could certainly still have on-street car storage. They would just charge for it. And also, we could set up buses that actually work. Select bus service, bus rapid transit. So they you would be- don't have a problem with on-street car storage. You have a problem with free on-street car storage. I have a dramatic problem with free. I do believe the prices for on-street car storage should be dramatically higher. We should look at residential parking permits. We should look at how these cars are registered. Why are there so many out-of-state cars parked on our streets? All these kind of questions come up. That's a whole insurance scam, though, isn't that? Perhaps, but these questions are what come up at nyc.streetsblog.org. So you can read all about that on that website? Literally every day. Every day. You're coming Right now. You're coming up with new stuff every day. We are. There's always an angle to promote cycling, pedestrians, mass transit, bus rapid transit. Look, let, let, let me give you a perfect example. I get a lot of complaints from our Staten Island readers. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys are anti-car. But I get even more complaints from Staten Island bus riders and Brooklyn bus riders no, who are constantly in general. They're yeah. stuck in traffic. Yeah. The buses, now a bus, a typical bus has hundreds of people on it, a, a packed bus. Right. And it's blocked by a single double parked car with one guy I've in it. I've noticed on your website that the double parked cars are, are a particular thing that you're interested in. It's because the department... Or at least angry about. The, the, the when par- you wake up in the morning, yeah. you basically say to yourself, if I see one more yeah, double parked car... that's exactly car. right. Yeah. Because the Department of Transportation in the city of New York actually does a pretty good job of designing our public streets. In other words, if the Department of Transportation lays down a dedicated bus lane with that red paint... Yeah. If nobody parks in it, or indeed double parks in it, you know what? Buses can move pretty well in this city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The minute you get one car in there, suddenly the bus has to move into the travel lane, and that's what congestion is. That is the definition of congestion. And I would point out, in the middle of the United Nations General Assembly quote-unquote gridlock, mm-hmm. it becomes an important issue because the gridlock is being caused by the cars. So why are we worried so much about the cars? We need to find alternative ways to get these people around, like buses. Bus rapid transit down 2nd Avenue would be a hell of a lot better, heck of a lot better, than cramming all the cars in there. Let's move people more efficiently. Hmm. In the public right-of-way, Jimmy, it's, it's the, that's our producer, Jimmy, it's the public right-of-way. Let's not forget that. Cars have a role, but not private cars in the public right-of-way. Gotcha. That's our space. Gotcha. And I'm sure Zelda Myriel back me up on this. How does this but how does this how does cars for kids play into all this? One eight hundred one eight seven seven cars for kids? Yeah, yeah. How does that play into I mean, donate this? your car today. Okay. Are they an advertiser all of a sudden? <laughs> no, I've been on, I haven't been on the show in about six months. They're not, and, and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, all right. So we want to get to um, our guest as quickly as possible. So now we're gonna call Zelda Myrie right now on the phone. Jimmy, can you handle this? Yeah, don't steal his number, Do though. Do not you steal hear us the number. Dialing Gersh, you're in oh. charge of dialing. I don't know. No, ever since. Yeah, there you go. It's right there. I have to dial nine? Uh, yeah, you always got to dial nine. You know that. Now, everyone, nine? just I'm going to make noise while Gersh dials the number. This is a private okay. number. You might be able to hear that in the background. I'm going to try to cover that up. I don't I'm know. Try it again. Wait, he's he's we're gonna working telephones in this day and age not as easy as it used to be. Do not steal this. Yeah, number. do not. I know you might be hearing. I have to see it though. I know you got to see it. It should just ring, and he should come on. I would hope so. You're going to talk to him? Yeah, I'll start it off. Okay. Hi, this is Zelnor. Hey! Oh, man, that's loud. That is loud, Zelnor. Zelnor, how you doing? It's Vince DiMaselli on the radio, Brooklyn Paper Radio, with my guest host, Gersh Kuntzman. We wanted to talk to you about your big victory 
in the primary. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, listen, it's great to have you on. Listen, are you on a speakerphone, or are you talking directly into that thing? I, I am. Is it not good for Yeah, we're, getting, we're having a tough time with that. We like to think of ourselves as a okay, high-fidelity uh, show. This? Is this better? Much better. Much so let's better. do that mic check. Mic check. Michael, check. All right, give me a mic check. <laughs> Zellner, Zellner, we need to oh, check your level. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mic check, mic check. There, there it is, see? And that's how we do it. Now, this, this victory... Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I hate to cut Vince off, Zellner, but let's yeah. go over the very basics. Zellner Myrie defeated Jesse Hamilton in a d Democratic primary election on September 13th, part of an insurgent wave that threw out five of six independent Democratic conference rogue Democrats who had caucused with the Republicans. So, Zellner, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Do you see what I did there, Zellner? I really showed Vince how to host a show. <laughs> anyway, it's great, great I'm to just gonna, I'm just going to remain quiet here while, while Gersh <laughs> takes over. No, no, no. I, I, I did want to introduce you properly because a lot of people, and this is where we're going to go a little bit in this discussion, Zellner, is mm -hmm. very few people follow state politics, local elections. I was out canvassing for a candidate recently, and it's just astounding to me how few people even know that there are elections in this country, let alone know who the incumbent is, let alone know who the challenger is, let alone maybe one or two issues that are important to them. So the, That's right. The overall question I wanted to ask you just to start is, how the hell did you pull this off? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny. I just want to uh, speak to your point earlier. Um, I, the day after the election, I went back to some of the subway stations that I had been at for the past eight months uh, just to thank people for voting. Mm -hmm. um, and there were not a few amount of people uh, that were like, when's the election? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, actually, it happened yesterday and we won. Um, <laughs> and so, you, you know, it is, you know, with that said, I think part of what was um, what helped us to win uh, was that there was actually an increase. Uh, in turnout. And so mm -hmm. in 2014, uh, when this race, uh, when, you know, my opponent first ran, um, uh, the total amount of people that voted in the primary was 15,000. And what we saw almost two weeks ago um, in our primary was 40,000 people come out to vote. That, that's a big um, uptick there. Yeah, which was which was really incredible. And even with that uptick, um, that's still a small percentage of the registered Democrats. Mm -hmm. We have about 160,000 registered Democrats in this district. And so, um, uh, you know, we're grateful for the uptick, but we want to see more in the general. Door-to-door -door wins the war. That's what I tell people. Um, I know, but every, we can every candidate, sorry to cut you off, every candidate says that, and every candidate has volunteers that go out there. But I was just sort of looking at the larger picture is, do you mm -hmm. think that voters, the, the uptick in, in, in turnout, for example, do you think it's really because voters really knew what the IDC was, what they did to make the Republicans ostensibly have control of the state Senate, what the Republicans did with that control vis-a-vis congestion pricing or speed cameras? Right. Like, do, do the voters know about that? Yeah, I think, I think, I think they did. Um, and I think that it was a mix of uh, people having greater education of the IDC, but the root of that uh, was that people saw what happened when we were complacent and when we stayed home in 2016. And I think the election of the current president really spurred people to be more active on a local level and spurred them to start paying attention to what was happening in their own backyard. And so I think that they, I think there was uh, knowledge of the IDC, um, and I think there was just, just a general um, you know, greater scrutiny on the people that had been elected to represent them. All right, so in this election, you, you're saying that... Uh 
uh, his 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 association with the IDC kind of kind of was the thing that got him out of office. So was it more about that? Was it more about anybody but him, or was it because you're kind of awesome? Right. <laughs> well, um, I'd love to say that it was uh, uh, because I was just such a fantastic candidate. Um, but I think what what really resonated with people was the message, and this was a message of. We are living in uncertain times. Um, we have a madman at the helm of this country, um, and we need every line of defense, including in our local state legislatures, to help protect us from some of these policies that hurt our community. And what I was talking about um, frequently and pretty prominently um, was what that meant for the housing in central Brooklyn. Right, if we have Republicans controlling the agenda in Albany, we're not going to get uh, the housing that we need for the folks in this community. And I think that really resonated uh, with folks. People wanted to see the policies get enacted. Um, and one, you know, we're tired of these backroom deals that were really about self-aggrandizement and not about helping the community. Well, but forgive me for a second, though. You're a young guy, Zellner. I'm an old guy. Uh, <laughs> we made the same thing about the Republican madman at the helm when George W. Bush was president, when mm -hmm. Reagan was president. It, it seems to be a prevailing theme. You know, when Democrat, Democrats are out of office, we say, look, we need strong leadership to get us the progressive agenda we want. Now, this time, it mm -hmm. actually that message worked, and I think it's entirely harnessed to the, what the IDC did to give mm -hmm. the Republicans. But that's the thing. I couldn't imagine that the man on the street knew it. That's the part I, that's the, that's the missing link. Yeah, yeah. No, let, let me tell you, and I know it's, I know it's hard to believe, um, and because uh, there is, you know, sometimes this uh, detachment from local politics, uh, but there were people, when I would stand at the subway stations, um, who would ask me, they wouldn't necessarily know who I was, but they'd ask me, what am I running for and who am I, who am I running against? Um, and they'd then, and they'd, then they'd follow up and say, is this, a guy, is this a guy that's a member of the IDC? Uh, mm -hmm. And so there, there, were, there, there was some knowledge about that. I think part of our job and what the grassroots organizations did masterfully um, was they educated folks on that as well. So there was a whole push, um, whether that was digital, whether that was direct mail, whether that was via text message, um, to let people know about what was happening with the IDC. And so, you know, I, my job as a candidate um, was not only to state um, what was wrong with the current leadership, but to, to make a difference in what my leadership would look like. Um, and I think the IDC was a good pivot point because it, what it said to people was, when we have uh, enough Democrats and enough real Democrats in office, we can at least have the discussion on these things. It isn't a promise that we're going to get all of our progressive wish list passed in year one, uh, but it is a promise that we're going to fight and have the debate on the floor, something that we were denied with an artificial majority. Right. Now, I wanted to ask you about that. You, know, you mentioned all the ways in which the grassroots organizations got the word out. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm from streetsblog.org. Uh, Vince has called mm -hmm. me to be a guest host because of illness in the family. But the point is, streetsblog.org, you answered our candidate questionnaire, so did... Uh, then-Senator, mm -hmm. or if you st still Senator, Jesse Hamilton, your answers were excellent. We are focused like a laser beam now on getting results. If you end up going to Albany yep. because of the general election, I'm going to be on you, and I'm going to start right now, about <laughs> congestion pricing. Let's yep. just start. Yep. We're going to talk about some a lot of issues, but let's talk about congestion pricing, because as you know, it was stalled in, in Albany. Right, it seems right. that everybody supports it, even the people who lost uh, the primary election their questionnaires right. said things like, oh, yeah, I support congestion pricing. But where the rubber hits the road, Zelnor, how are you going to get it done? Now, you're a rookie. You're a you'd be right. a freshman. How are you going to get it done? 
Yeah, so I think part part of this is, and, and, and just for the folks that are listening, I, 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 I'm in full support of congestion pricing. Um, I think part of what's going to be different about this session is that um, the leadership uh, in, in, in the Senate, um, they also have a responsibility to the voters, right? The voters sent a clear message um, with exactly what you're talking about, with an expectation that things are going to get done. So while I am going in as a freshman, um, if all goes well, November 6th, I, I'm going in as a freshman. Uh, and while there are things that I still have to learn, I think we are coming in with a progressive mandate. Um, and I think that uh, the business as usual and kind of slogging along um, may not be um, as palatable as it has been in the past. And so I uh, plan to advocate very strongly for it. I know that there are folks um, um, even on our side of the aisle that, that um, live in, in, in driver-heavy districts. Um, that are going to need uh, that, that are going to need some 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 convincing, and there's going to have to be some work around that. But I really do have confidence in the leadership um, that the, that the expectation, um, given given you know, assuming that we have we assume the majority, that there's going to that we have to get things done. Yeah, but when you talk about uh, what you say, negotiations with those car-heavy assembly members mm -hmm. and senators from Brooklyn and Queens and the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Are you talking mm -hmm. about concessions? Are you talking about carve-outs? Because I spoke to a Bronx, uh, an incoming Bronx representative uh, who's in mm -hmm. the class that won with you, uh, Alessandra Biaggi. It's going to be public mm -hmm. record. I'm about to publish this. She's like talking about carve-outs. Well, if you're a low-income worker, well, if you're a student, well, if you're a senior. No, 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 Zelnor. Streetsblog.org is holding the line on this. Do you favor carve-outs or are you an absolutist when it comes to congestion pricing? Uh, no, I, I'm 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 in favor of congestion pricing. Um, I, I I confess to to not knowing what some of these other um, concessions are, and I think part of what the process is before I get to January is meeting with my future colleagues um, and and kind of and, and kind of learning what uh, their views are on this. But I am very much um, in in full support of congestion pricing as has been you know uh, uh, put forward. Um, and, and what we dis what we discussed uh, in in our interview and in, in our uh, in our questionnaire, and so uh, that is my position, and 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 I hope to to to, to be able to, to to push very forcefully um, because I think it's um, I think it's not only important, obviously, as a as a as a source of revenue for for the MTA, but it is good for our environment, um, and I you know this is something that is, is near and dear to me as someone uh, who grew up with very bad asthma. Um, uh, which, which you know, is in part due to, 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 to congestion. Hey, listen, speaking of concessions, did uh, Senator Hamilton concede the race to you yet, or, or what's, he, what's going on there? He is not. He is not. I have not heard from him. Um, so he still has some other lines, so he could, he's still going to run against you. That's, that, that's correct. And so we, we have not rested on our laurels at all. We are, of course, very excited that 22,000 people, um, 22,000 Democrats chose us as, as the nominee for, for, for the Democratic line. Uh, but, you know, we have to continue, um, uh, you know, as if we have um, a full race because we have not um, heard from my opponent yet. And what lines does he have still? So he has the Independence Party line. Uh, the Independence line. Has, Got yes, it. Okay. Um, and, and the Women's Equality Party line. Women's Equality. Um, so, yeah, so that is, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a very interesting discourse, given that we just spent the past eight months talking to the community about who was um, the real Democrat. Uh, and the community spoke on who they wanted to be that Democrat. Um, and, you know, it would be very interesting to see 
uh, my opponent make the case for um, why he should now be elected as a non-Democrat. Do you have the backing of the county Democratic organization or not? Uh, we, we do not. And he, the county organization backed my opponent. They contributed money uh, to, to his campaign in the waning days before the primary. Um, and so it is unclear to me where they will stand going forward. Well, but hold on a second. You're the Democratic nominee. Correct. The county organization is not going to help Jesse Hamilton win on the Independence Party line, is it? Oh, I, I will, would, would never venture to speak for the county organization. Um, uh, and I can only, you know, I think past behavior um, is really the best indication of future behavior. So I can only say um, that they have supported him um, uh, in the past and they have not communicated to me um, um, uh, of any of any potential support going forward. But he's on the women's equality party line. How come you're not on the women's party equality line? Well, we were never given we were never given the opportunity mm. to. Um, is that a real uh, party? Yeah. So this is I think is a party that was created in 2014, um, and I think it was the I think I think it was uh, something that came out of the governor uh, the governor's political operation. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, but we were never we were never given the opportunity to, to to seek that line. Do you have any other uh, big backers? Any other uh, people endorsing you that that we need to know about? I mean, I think that we have uh, certainly all of the folks that endorsed us going into the primary. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I'm very excited to have had the the support of many um, of our community organizations, our political clubs, elected officials, folks in labor. Um, we are reaching out to folks who, um, you know, may have supported my opponent um, and saying, look, we are now the Democratic nominee. Uh, we would love to have your support going into the general election. Um, and as those, you know, endorsements come in, we'll, we'll be announcing and you guys will know. All right. Let, 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 endorsements don't ultimately mean anything. You're the Democratic nominee. You're the front runner as far as I'm concerned. I care about a couple of things. One, we mm -hmm. talked about congestion pricing. Two, bike lanes. Look, I have heard all over Brooklyn. When a new bike lane is proposed by the Department of Transportation, well, if it's in a fancy, rich, and predominantly white neighborhood, it goes through. In other mm -hmm. neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods, oh, it's a gateway to gentrification. It's for the settlers. Remember that woman said that at Clinton Avenue bike lane debate? It's for the settlers. Where are you on this? Mm -hmm. Do bike lanes cause, or do they benefit from, or do they have no involvement in gentrification? Um, no, I think, I think bike lanes uh, can be a good thing. I think there are a lot of markers of gentrification, and I think it's unfair um, to pin it on any... Uh, one particular um, improvement or, or design modification um, uh, in the neighborhood. Um, I will say uh, that I think that there is a serious um, and I think rightfully uh, founded fear of, of, of gentrification by way of pushing people out. Right? I think that people aren't people aren't opposed to the changes in the neighborhood, uh, but they're opposed to the changes um, at their expense and, and changes that displace them. So I think that. That comes from a real place, um, and, and, and I feel that as well as someone who lives in a rent-stabilized apartment and grew up in an area that is changing. I think that by, I, I am personally in favor of moving away from motor vehicles. Um, I think that we need, um, I think that we, for, for all of the reasons that you guys know, um, I think that we should be looking um, to, to seeing how we can increase uh, the amount of folks that are either biking or walking um, or not, you know, not utilizing uh, motor vehicles. I think that there are some uh, folks in our community who cannot um, obviously walk or use bike lanes, and particularly thinking about um, the senior population that we have. Um, and I think that part of our communication uh, to the folks that, that, that have to drive is, look, less cars on the road are better for you um, um, as, as, 
as someone that that has to drive. And so um, we're really we, we really should be on the same side of this issue. Well, I know it. I am on the side of everything you just said. But I see, I used to be a real journalist. Zelnor, I used to work for the Daily News and the Post. Keep mm-hmm. going, Vince. I was a big award winner. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate it. Yeah. But now I'm, a streets, I'm at streetsblog.org, and, and I think mm. it's important that we advocate with a strong voice, not necessarily you, but me, uh, yeah. against, in favor of the, car, the car-free majority in this city. The, the, the majority of households in this city do not have a car. Right. It's important. Me- I, don't have, I, I'm, I'm pres- I don't have a driver's license. Wow, that's, that's uh, wow. Even, wow, that's even going yeah, further. Yeah. Wow, r- radical. <laughs> mm. um, so I'm like a true New Yorker, true, you know, public transit, uh, um, you know, consumer. Um, and so, so, so I, so I get that. But, you know, I, this, you, what you're pointing to is, I think, is a, is a real um, uh, tension uh, because we do have, you know, we, we also have a good number of folks in this district that do drive. So, yeah, it's still not, it's still not a majority of your district. Right, right, right. Um, you did mention mass transit. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, one thing. As you know, you know, you're on the subways and buses all the time. As a candidate, as a person, you don't even have a driver's license, which is great. Um, <laughs> Andy Byford, the uh, n- subway, what is he, the chairman, president, said the other day that he thinks that the subway has just started to turn a corner. You know, because it was terrible last they year. They said People the same thing about Greg Bird on the Yankees, by the way. He never made that turn. <laughs> never made that turn. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I don't want my subways making such radical turns, but do you think the subway is getting a little better? You're in there every day. Vince is in a car all the time. I'm on a bike. What are you seeing on the ground or underground? Um, I, honestly, I, 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 my subway experience has remained the same as, as it has been um, uh, for, for the past couple of years, and that is one of um, continued deterioration. Um, you know, I, I appreciate... Uh, Byford, who has a view that necessar- that 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 me as a single consumer or folks as a single consumer might not have, um, uh, but I do. You know, I will say that I do believe um, that the fast forward plan um, is a good one. I think what you know what our responsibility is going to be, um, uh, you know, hopefully next session is really finding how we're going to fund it, um, and that's what it that's what it that's what it boils down to. Um, well, Vince uh, and, and I used to. Vince and I always used to joke. If you, you listen, you give Vinny and me enough money, we can solve any problem. Forty forty billion dollars <laughs> is a lot of money, Zelnor. That's a lot right. of money. And if you don't pass congestion pricing, you don't have that money. Right. No, I think congestion pricing is um, is is vital uh, to to that funding. And and you know, I'm really looking forward to to seeing how we can um, see how we can look at some some other ways. You know, I think the. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with with committee assignments when when we get um, when we get up to Albany. Uh, but part of what I I'd really like to be involved um, in in those discussions because we we you know I, I'm this is this isn't just um, uh, some some issue area for me. This is literally something that I use every single day and what the majority of the people in my district use um, every single day. Um, and I, and I, and I'd like to see the discussion. Um, really expanded, not just, you know, to subways, but really to buses, because as, as I mentioned, we have a lot of seniors in our district um, who use, who cannot make their way up and down stairs, well, um, and who use our bus system very regularly, um, and that is also in, you know, all sorts of disrepair, and mm-hmm. so um, I'd really like to be advocating for that section of my community as well. Let the record show, when you mentioned buses, Vince rolled his eyes, and mm-hmm. I will say that a lot of people do, but <laughs> yeah. Zellner, you and I both know a, an, an efficient bus system could move yep. tens of thousands of people really well, and, and and very few people talk about it. Byford talks about it. He's very serious mm-hmm. about the bus turnaround plan. Of course, the only way you're going to make a bus system 
work properly is to close the roads to cars. No, not entirely. You just no. need dedicated. Zellner, help me out. You just no. need dedicated <laughs> lanes that are properly enforced. No, because I've you, ridden buses like all that. All you do is you take a route that you know that a bus goes down, and you ban all the cars on that route, and now the bus will run back and forth oh, faster than you could possibly imagine. Fair enough. I don't all think right? you could do that on Fulton Fulton Street, for example. They uh, did it on Fulton no, Street in, downtown. In downtown, Brooklyn. but you know, I'm talking about there's certain there's certain routes that buses right. run on that get congested. When you get to Fulton Mall, does the bus take a long time to get through? No, Fulton Mall is a wonderful pedestrian and bus right. center. <laughs> it's like a dream come true, right? I wish there was a bike right. lane down the middle of it, but that's yes, I agree. <laughs> So that's what I'm saying. So why not? I mean, when the mayor was talking about doing his uh, his streetcar, yeah. the, the one thing that I said the whole time was, all right, do the streetcar, but you got to close the streets so that only the streetcar goes down. Yeah. All all a train or a subway is is a, a a piece of transportation, a form of transportation that has its own road. Yeah, it's got its own road. It's a railroad. That's Zellner, Zellner, jump in here because he's on to something. All right. No, look, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, if we could shut down Rogers Avenue uh, or if we uh, could shut down Bedford Avenue to all car traffic. Why not? Mom, yeah, Mom, why not? Zellner, Zellner, let's think big. Why not? Literally one road. Take one out of every 20 roads. Well, right. But I think I, I, I just I, it is just unclear to me. Um, and I say this as, as someone who is not an expert on traffic patterns, um, uh, that that doesn't divert the traffic to other places and and. and Form congestion and choke points um, for other modes of transportation. Then, then you got to put uh, tolls on those roads. <laughs> <laughs> We're radicals uh, here. No, you don't okay. have so, to. So I think I, I, I think the, I think the principle is good. Um, I think we I think we need to really kind of kind of drill down on some of the details and what that would look like. Uh, but I think you know ultimately what. Um, we're saying is that the, the buses should be able to 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 transport as freely as possible um, and and not and not be interfered with um, um, and and that's something and that's something that I agree with. All all it takes is is just you have to have the the understanding that the, sometimes this the simplest answer sounds like the craziest answer, but the simplest answer, though crazy, is the one that works. And that I'm telling you, that's the way you solve the bus problem. And you can't tell me there isn't a bus <laughs> problem in the you know. And you don't have to be an expert in uh, in congestion to understand right. that if you want well, the buses to move faster, get the cars out of the well, way. Well, he's right though. The cars would go somewhere else, and then you'd have a secondary impact right. that he then he would then get complaints for his constituents. No, but the point no. is, if you had people using the buses because they were yeah. faster than taking the cars, then more people would use the buses. That's true. That's true. So we need so, to jam up. You know, I was at the uh, UN General Assembly yesterday reporting live yeah. on the Street for Streets blog, and what I saw was if they reserve lanes for, in this case, diplomatic vehicles, but th those lanes could have easily been reserved for buses, there's more car congestion, and most of the drivers say, wow, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? So in a right, sense, right. you would reduce car use pretty dramatically. Almost, Senator. I got this question for o you. Almost, Senator. <laughs> I, got this, I had this question for you. That, and sure. is it, ugh, I just lost my train of thought. We were talking about uh, the cars, uh, going, the getting cars off the road. And tolls. And tolls. Oh, when you're <laughs> see, driving your see, car. See, that's what I do, Zelda. That's it. No, I'm just looking at I'm looking at Gersh in the eye, and, and he's, he's feeding <laughs> me the lines somehow. It's like, it's right. telepathic. Uh, we, ha we actually had this conversation the other day. When you're in a car, when someone's driving a car, do they feel like they have the right to get somewhere as quickly as, as possible? Do you, do you think that drivers feel that they have some kind of you know, God-given right that when they're in their car to be able to get somewhere as fast as possible without hitting any traffic? Um, I, I will say as a non-driver um, uh, that I think that that is largely true. Um, I think that people want to get 
to their places. I think that's just the New York disposition. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you a little and, backstory on why he's asking that. Because Vince yeah. DiMaselli is the only driver I've ever met who, when he gets stuck in traffic, says, oh, traffic, well, that's the price I pay. No, you're the only one. I got into work today. It took me, what, it took me an hour and a half. And I just walked in. The, I walked in. And I was like, "Well, what, how, where were you?" I said, "Well, traffic was bad." Yeah, traffic. But was I wasn't upset. Not upset. <laughs> I was. You know why? Because I was listening to my Alec Baldwin podcast. All right, no, you were. Uh, you weren't upset because you know that traffic is the price you pay for the mode you've chosen. It's the price I pay for the convenience of the mode that I've chosen. That's correct. And while I will hit traffic on the way in, when I go right. home tonight, it'll be a much faster commute, and I'll get home, and I will be able well, to see my boy. That's actually one of the problems, Elzelnor. You're going to face a guy like Vince DiMaselli who works in downtown Brooklyn and lives on The Rock, Staten Island, uh, he feels there's only one way for him to get home efficiently. You know, he goes home at like 8 o'clock at night. It's the car. He gets home in like 25 minutes. That's true. We need a mass transit system, ferries, buses, et cetera, that can get him home basically in 35 minutes. I think you'd give up a few minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't have that for certain commutes. And I don't know if we're ever going to have that for a downtown Brooklyn to Staten Island commute. Right. Right. So, But there are solutions. Well, I can get one right. of those. Uh, if if there was a train that just took me back and forth to my, from my house to work, I would do that. Okay. Right. If we could, if we could just clear the path for Vince. That's it. Shut down all traffic uh, and just have like a light rail. Like when, like when the uh, mayor right. goes to get to the gym in Park <laughs> yeah, Slope. Yeah, when the mayor right. goes to the gym. That's, that's, all, that's what I need. I need a bunch of uh, SUVs and sirens. Can you, Zellner, <laughs> when you get to Albany in January, and we're just assuming it's going to happen, when you get there, can you make your first speech on the Senate floor condemning uh, Mayor de Blasio for literally driving in an SUV from Gracie Mansion to Park Slope to exercise? <laughs> when he could simply he could ride a bike, there. he could jog to City Hall. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a shower in City Hall. He could jog to City Hall and shower. Can you make that your first speech? Just a symbolic. I, I, I cannot commit. I cannot commit. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, to making, He's not going to commit to that. that. my first speech. All right, maybe second. Um, but, but I hear you. I hear you. Now, i got to ask you this, because I want to ask this to every state senator and wannabe state senator uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that you know, seeks or gets the job. What do they do? What's going on up yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, they, they tell there? me this is a big job. You're working all the time. You're, right. I don't see it that way. I mean, you're, you're going to write <laughs> some laws. They, they admit gonna... it's a part-time It is a part-time no, job. No, they don't know. A lot of them do not admit well, it. But they will always say, this is a full-time job. And this is, <laughs> I mean, They're in session from, what, from January to June. That's what it. are your expectations right. on an eight-hour day, high or low? Uh, so I, I think it's high. I think certainly as a, as a, as a, as a freshman, at its high, um, I plan on, um, you know, I was I worked as a legislative director on the city council um, uh, before, before I went to law school, uh, and so I'm a very like in the weeds kind of guy. Like I plan on reading the bills, um, I plan on you know talking with the council for the different committees. Um, so I I I really want to throw my heart into being a legislator. Um, that is why I ran, uh, so that I can have an effect on the policy. So you know I pl- I plan to do that. You know my knowledge thus far, you know, having not been in the job, um, is, you know, what was mentioned January to June, um, uh, being up in Albany three to four days a week. Um, and then really when the budget is, is, is up to be passed, I think that's, you know, that's, that's going to take a lot. And we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, one of the largest budgets in the, in the country. Um, I think that's going to, that's going to be a tough job. And so, um, but I'll have more to say, after January. All right, well, that sounds like my job because, you know, basically we just kind of coast through the week and then all of a sudden we got to put out a newspaper. And that's when everything hits the fan and everybody's like going nuts. It's crazy. Right. But right, I can still right. I still put in a 50-hour week. Now, listen, you mentioned being in the weeds. Where do you stand on uh, on weed 
And uh, do you think yeah. uh, this next session we're going to see uh, legalization of marijuana in the great state, the Empire State, and, you and know, sure of course, the County so. of Kings? Yeah, I sure hope so. I think that the governor, um, you know, they're having these listening sessions this week. I am for full legalization um, of, of marijuana. I'd also like to see some of the, I'd like to see some decriminalization as well. There are folks um, who have um, sentences and have um, uh, records. Uh, for marijuana charges that uh, people out in Denver are making millions of dollars off of now. Um, and so I'd like to see those records expunged um, once we once we pass, you know, the full legalization. But that's that is where I, I've seen this as a civil rights issue. I've seen it you know, as um, uh, disproportionately affecting the communities in my district um, uh, for the same usage rates that we see in, in other white communities. And so um, I, I'm for full, full legalization. I did think during the debate with uh, Cynthia Nixon, um, she mm-hmm. gave she gave a really bad answer because because I mean it was a bad question they asked. Well, what do you say to the kids who suddenly it's legalized? And she should have just said what I always say to my kids, which is, well, alcohol is legal once you're over 21. I want you to right. use it responsibly, but I certainly want you to use it, and I certainly want right. you to bring some of it home for me to use with you. But she didn't say that. She's like, well, I don't, I don't want to do this. No, it, it's marijuana and, and, and alcohol. I, Vinny knows. I go mm-hmm. home, and I have a nice snifter of scotch. Nice. Yep. Right. Now, my kids see me doing that. It hasn't ruined their lives. I mean, not yet. And, no. and certainly they know that these products exist. Right. So what, 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 and the governor, what's he so afraid of? Yeah, no, I think I, I really do think that we um, I think that we have a good shot. Uh, and you know, I'd really like to see, um, you know, speaking to that point, that it's not just, you know, the recreational usage aspect. But um, I think that some of our young people should be looking at business opportunities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something uh, that uh, has, has we've seen kind of pockets of people dominate um, because it's been underground and it's been, you know, prohibited. Um, and I'd like to see some of the entrepreneurial spirit that I know we have um, in, in these communities really look to this um, as, as an opportunity. Yeah, Vince and I have certainly been talking about uh, the entrepreneurial opportunities. It's just we always, our big issue, Zellner, and maybe you've got a, a way into this, is, is funding. Because Vince and right. I always say, you give us, we, well, it used to be, you give us $5 million, we'll, we'll invent a news, a news outlet that will make money and inform yeah. the public. Now we're down to, like, just give us, give us $50,000. Can we? Can, <laughs> and so, so, so now I mean, if, we had, all right, if I had $750,000, Vince, I would be the pot king of Brooklyn. I don't, oh, even use, I don't even use marijuana, but I think we could create a business. It's Gershon, Vinny's, you know, whatever. We'll come up with some slogan. So why can't we get the $750,000? That's the question. Are you guys lobbying for funding? Oh, come on, Zellner. You don't listen to the show enough. We lobby on this show for funding for every harebrained, (laughs) tiny idea we've had. I think once I I asked, $50,000, I'm doing a new show at the Fringe Festival. Give me (laughs) $50,000. And that show did well, by the way. That show did well. That was not about pot, though, right? No, my next show, Zellner, just to plug it, is The Earl. Mm -hmm. It's actually a musical about the invention of the sandwich, The Earl being The Earl of Sandwich. Yeah, it's going to be good. You're going to like it. Oh, awesome, awesome. Can you yeah, get me $50,000? <laughs> it doesn't work that Isn't way. that some yeah, kind of arts? You can get some kind of arts. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. When you're in Albany, we can get me an arts grant. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be totally above board. I actually do the show. It's a real show. Uh, I will give him that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we'd, be happy, we'd be happy to review that. <laughs> That's what a politician always says. <laughs> you just take it up with my legislative director and we'll do it. <laughs> anyway, listen, we, we should let him go. Because you, you, you're, you're like got a, other topics to get to. Zellner, we should let you go. Oh, but one thing we do on this show, and I haven't been on the show in a little while, but I do remember this tradition. We let the, the guest 
plug anything he or she wants. Like, if we've asked you about transportation. We've asked you about pot. Is there something that's on your mind? You just want to something say, we didn't touch on that you wanted to yeah. touch on to get to the readers here, the listeners. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, I spoke a lot about housing. I'd really like to take uh, this 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 chance. Uh, today's National Voter Registration Day. Uh oh. Um, and uh, I think, folks, if you are not registered, I think the last day to vote in the November sixth general election uh, is October twelfth. Yeah, postmarked uh, by October twelfth. Yes, by October twelfth, exactly. And so please, please, please register to vote. Talk to your friends. Tell them to talk to their friends um, so that we can, we can get uh, as high voter par- participation as possible this November. It's actually a really good point because, as I said, I was canvassing for an unknown, unidentified candidate. And so few people, A, even know if they're registered. Now, they right. likely are registered because I was using a, a registration list. Uh, and then they don't know when the election is. But you talk about the people who aren't registered. They are so outside of the political discussions that we right. take for granted. It is actually astounding that we get anything done. It, re- it really is. Everyone yeah. everyone yeah. in this room is registered, right? right. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, our producer, is he's, registered. He's I am registered. Yes. Zellner is obviously registered. You voted for yourself, right? It's okay. You voted for yourself. <laughs> right. Yes, of course. Of okay. course. Of Did course. Did you have any regrets? Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, it's to, to be seen, right? Uh, That's right. We see how he does on the job. <laughs> wow. Imagine if you campaigned I, against yourself. I should have never voted for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That'd be a good way. Actually, it'd be a good way to win an election is saying, look, I, all right, I'll give myself one more chance, but if I don't right, turn right. this around. <laughs> well, anyway, we, I got to say, Zellner, it was great to talk to you. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Now, yes. you, have a, you have a direct pipeline anytime you want to streetsblog.org. If you want to announce some innovative transportation measure, a street design you want to see, or some something that's upsetting you in the community, uh, like certainly the Southern Brooklyn politicians were all upset about the B82 SBS launching next week, I'm in favor. You call me up, Pipeline. That's what I'm saying. Excellent. I really appreciate you guys having me, um, and I will, I will be reaching out. So thank you very much. All right. We want to thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. Soon to no be, problem. almost soon to be, State Senator. Zellner Myrie. There he is. All there right. he is. There he goes. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Now, I like that chat. I thought that was a good chat. That went over pretty well. We talked about important issues. You know, Jimmy, a lot of times you look at me and you're like, this show never talks about important issues. But we actually talk about important issues. We talk about issues important to one Gersh Kuntzman when you come on the show. Uh, that there is, is true. There but is no doubt about that. I'd like to transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vince, you had a very good story. Uh-huh. It's rare that Vince writes for the Brooklyn Paper or the Brooklyn Paper website. Every once in a while, I like to get out there and, and do something. But you know, I have many I have many hats that I wear here at at, uh, at Schnapps Community News Group. Well, last week, Vince and I, I, I for Streets Blog and Vince for the SCNG, um, went out to a tour that the Department of Transportation sponsored inside the belly of the belly of the beast. Yep. I call it inside the belly of the belly of the beast. The beast being the triple cantilever, uh-huh. the other belly being the BQE itself. We went inside, and Vince, why don't you just tell us, because I registered, and I was like, wow, you really got inside there? What was it like? Well, that was something that I've always wanted to do. I like to get you know into infrastructure and, and other things. I've never been in a sewer. Well, you're instance. a nuts and bolts guy. I'm a nuts and bolts guy. I've always have been. How does it work? He you wants know, to I, know. I, one time I was in the uh, the Staten Island Tower of the Verrazano Bridge. Very interesting to inside get inside the tower. You yeah, mean all the way to the top? Did you get outside? Did you get the view? Yeah, totally. Oh my god. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. And so this was one of those things. I wanted to do that my whole life. I got to do that when I was in my twenties, and now I'm in my forties, and I wanted to get inside the the triple cantilever, as it were, because I wanted to see how it was built. And uh, we had the opportunity, and we, uh, the press release came across my desk at, at 9 or 10 o'clock mm. in the morning, mm. and by 3.30, there we were. 
I had a hard hat on. Yeah, we put on hard hats. We wore. Jimmy, uh, can you put up that picture of Vinny and me in the hard hat with the reflective vests? We had the reflective vests. But but, but what? Explain to our listeners what you're even talking about. No, I just because they drive over it, they may not know. When you drive along that roadway, you wouldn't know that it is in fact a bridge. It's a bridge, and what's underneath it, holding it up all the way along Furman Street, is this giant, you know, structure that you, you know, it's a superstructure. It's a superstructure that. Concrete and metal, and it's holding that whole thing up all along. So that. what's what's wrong with it? Well, they said that it was only built to last about fifty years. Now and it was built about seventy years. Yeah, ago. It's, it's about seventy years old. And I've been we've been saying for years on this radio show. I think we had we had on uh, yeah. Gridlock Sam. He yeah. basically yeah. said the thing's going to fall down. Yeah. Like, and now they're saying if trucks. If trucks, <laughs> I remember we pushed him repeatedly to say, "Is it going to fall down? And is it imminent?" And he said, "Well, look, I really don't like to throw around words like that." And it's like, "Yeah, but you're saying it's going to fall down." It's like, "Well, it could fall." Down. And we never. I think the, we ended up with the headline, "Gridlock Sam colon <laughs> it's, It could fall down. No, it'll fall down. <laughs> we got him. He 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 was totally on board with it's gonna it's gonna collapse. So and then when you see it collapses like that bridge in in uh, in Italy. You saw that, right? I saw. I didn't. I saw the aftermath. I saw the aftermath. I saw it. Well, there is some video where you can actually see it go down. You got to. You got to search the uh, the dark web Ugh, to find yeah, it. No, I don't. I don't want to see that. But uh, if if you see that stuff, it's it's pretty scary. And when I would drive along the BQE after you know ha- having uh, Gridlock Sam tell me it's it's on its last leg, I was like, oh, you know, this is this. Is so we got inside. And I was very surprised. You could read the story. I was very surprised that it actually looked like it was in pretty good shape. Well, because we were inside it. Yeah, from it the inside, quiet. it was quiet. It's not oxidized. It's not. There's no potholes inside. It's really no. what you. But but I remember seeing light coming through the roadway, which suggests, and the engineers told us that's the problem because that's how water gets in and dirt and all that crap. Yeah, they got to keep that. You know, they have to. They got. They got to shrink wrap it or something because otherwise, all that water getting in there, it's it's, it's going to be a problem. But so. you ultimately are a highway apologist. And I would be remiss in my role as editor-in-chief of streetsblog.org if I didn't point out that that roadway is going to cost $4 billion, just that 1.5-mile stretch to repair. Mm -hmm. Now, $4 billion is a lot of money. I'm not saying, look at what we could build with $4 billion. What I'm saying is— Look at what me and you could do with $4 (laughs) billion. That's right. Pot entrepreneurs. Yeah. With that $4 billion, why do I have to pay for part of that? Now, obviously, I do benefit from the economic benefits of having— high-quality roadways for trucks, et cetera. But what about the drivers? What about all those people in the single-passenger cars that are getting ostensibly a subsidy from all the taxpayers to get from, well, in your case, The Rock to downtown Brooklyn easily? I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Let's toll it, or let's make sure we have congestion pricing, or let's have limited access to that road. No no single occupancy car. Let's have HOV. That's an interesting point, Gersh. What would you... you Join me in this no, campaign? No, I would not join you in really? a campaign for, for full, full-on full HOV, but I would certainly join you in a campaign for more HOV. Okay. Uh, yep. I would just hope that that HOV lane would, would actually be properly uh, enforced. It, it was just funny because we were on the tour, and DOT Commissioner Polly Trottenberg, who's a great lady and, and is so up on these issues, I, I, all the reporters were sticking the camera, oh, how do we fix it? How are you going to stop traffic? And I stick my camera in her face and say, listen, Polly, what about we, uh, we toll this road? We told we told we could put a fifteen dollar toll on this road, and she's like, "Out, out, 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 out." She didn't want to answer that. She question? didn't want to answer that question because she can't answer that question. Look, there are tolls on either sides of the road. I mean, if you're going to go there over are? the if you're going to go over the Tribar Bridge, if you're going over the Verrazano Bridge, I don't want to go over a bridge. People are driving from Bay Ridge to Woodside, Queens on that road. They're not paying a dime, and they get to go over the new fancy new Kosciuszko Bridge. That was another billion dollar bridge. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's so right. my point is, yeah. 
that you don't only toll bridges. That's why I like congestion pricing. You want to get into Manhattan, you got to pay. Yeah, but this was outside Manhattan. No, so I'm saying, but there might be versions. The Listen, congestion pricing hasn't passed yet. Polly, Polly Trottenberg, at a wave of a, wave, wave of a hand and a lot of negotiating in Albany, could mm. get us could get us uh, what I call poor man's congestion pricing. Let's put it in Brooklyn and Queens. Why <laughs> should I get to drive to my beloved girlfriend's house in Jackson Heights for free? Why should I get that? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. It's a very good so question. I was the only reporter. I, but I think I think what you're what you're getting at is you know when you ride the subway you you pay a fee. When you ride a bus you pay a fee. When you hop into a car you don't pay a fee. Well, there are there are gas taxes which are user fees. I, I yeah, I'll give you that. This car registration. This car registration. I would say fees. that if if you were driving from your house and in, in the WT to your girlfriend's house in far off Queens. It's Jackson Heights. It's very close. You like. You know, it would probably cost you less to drive your car than it, you know, it, like per ride, than it is to. Um, I mean, the cheapest way for you to get there, obviously, is by bike. And I bike to Jackson. Which, by I the way, the I'd like to point out, I sometimes bike to work, Gersh, and you know that. And I do I, know that. You I seem to, to. You seem to. You know. I will say the bike ride from the WT to to the JH. I call it Jackson Heights. It's yeah. a great bike ride. It takes an hour door to door. It's a fantastic ride. How would you feel if they just made the subways free? Oh, I've always advocated for free subways. But always. Like, like a you, public utility. Jimmy. It is a public utility. Just like, like the, the, like the, the roads, water. Like the roads are a public utility. Well, I think there'd have to be some sort of fee because, as I said, there's gas tax on drivers. There might be an yeah, some sort of annual fee or registration something. And something. And uh, the, but I believe the stuff. subway should be free because if the subway was free and it ran better, it'd have to run better, everyone would use it and we could get people out of their private single-person occupancy vehicle. I think the problem that people have, though, is they see you know, these, these authorities like the MTA as, as a big money pit. And you're throwing money into yeah. it. I mean, yeah. these, are, these are agencies and authorities that were put together basically to take the heat off the politicians right. that, that up right. until that point were running these systems. Yeah. And uh, now that the, the heat's off, the authority just grows into this behemoth that ends up being a, a cash suck. Well, there are certain this tremendous amount of evidence that the MTA has done a bad job. For example, when it built the uh, Second Avenue subway, the East Side Access, some of those things are way above what they would cost in other cities with similar unions and similar congestion, Paris, London, et cetera. Yeah. These projects are a lot cheaper. So there is evidence that the MTA is not doing a good job. And I think the public does so, respond and I think to that. The question, so a question about something like congestion pricing is, all right, we're going to take this money, yeah. but who's going to manage it? And that's really what yeah. it comes down to. Good government equals good or great management. That's right. right. That's right. And I think that's where these things, you know, kind of come apart. They're, the management just isn't there. Well, I don't, I'm not I don't gonna know what the rationale is or the reason, but the management, for whatever reason, isn't isn't there to uh, to make sure your dollars are spent to the um, to to get the most value. Well, I'm not going to defend government. I'm certainly not going to defend hashtag Cuomo's MTA slash. I think as someone who's a, who's a <laughs> status cra as, as crazy as tax and spend liberal as you are, I am. You should defend government. No, no, no. I defend the existence of government. I'm not going to defend the current management uh, in the Cuomo's uh, administration for one thing. He he has taken his eyes off the subway. The subway is the lifeblood of New York City, and the economic and the city is the economic engine of the state. However, Cuomo for some reason has. Buffalo Billions, well, for example, that, and some of his other upstate plans, which are ostensibly corruption. Have, haven't there been rumors or, or reports that the governors of both of New York and New Jersey kind of get into the, uh, you know, <laughs> they get into the, uh, they use the, the authorities like the Port Authority and, and the MTA as kind of slush phones for their own. 
for their own benefit. There's no question about that. And the way to solve that is to elect people, well, I don't know Zelnor that well, but to elect people who will get rid of guys like the IDC, which caucused with the Republicans and really gummed up a lot of these initiatives, like congestion pricing and helping the subway. Now, would Zelnor be your state senator, Gersh, over there in the WT? He, he goes no. to the Park Slope. Zeldor, Zelnor would not be my state senator. I did not have a competitive election for state senator Who, who's yours? this primary season. I, I, I've actually, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know who your state senator is? I don't know who my state senator is. Oh my God! This is this is an embarrass this is embarrassing on the air. It's like that. It's gotcha politics right now. You, just, you did a gotcha moment. I did happened. My state senator is um, is it Diane Savino? No, no, it's not. Because that's that, mine. It's, it's that one. It's and it's not Simka Felder, although very close. Simka really? almost lost to Blake Felder. Blake Morris. Was it close? No, I'm not that. It close. wasn't close at all. Who's my state senator? What the hell? Is it just you're having a brain fart? No, or? I am having a brain fart. Or, Jimmy, or, or Jimmy, or Jimmy put up, put up the map of my state senator. He's going to do it. I can't believe this. What, do you we, know who your state senator is? I told you, Diane Savino. Yeah, but that's because we talked about it before the show. No, it's not because we talked about it, because I know who it is. Who's your city councilman? Uh, Brad Lander. Debbie Rose. Okay. Who's your assemblywoman? My assemblywoman? It's not assemb- I don't have an assemblywoman. So that's a trick question. I got Bobby Carroll. I oh, love Bobby it. Carroll. Bobby Carroll. Bobby Carroll is your assemblywoman. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Carroll is my the, yeah, okay. and Joanne Simon covers the district in Carroll Gardens, Cobble yeah, Hill. Does. But We've had Windsor Terrace State Senator, I just can't for the life of me come up with the name. J- Jimmy, did you get it yet? He's trying Jimmy's to figure it bail out. Us out. All right, anyway, we're not going to waste has time never on the show. Happened before on the show. I, I usually am a font of facts. Gersh, an F of F. at a loss for words. No, I'm not at a loss for words. I'm just going to keep talking at about how it's thoughts. astounding that I don't know who my state senator is. All right. So listen, I think I think we we're done for today. Sure, yeah. Have we had enough? There's nothing else you want to talk about? Well, because usually at the end of the show, yeah. I allow my guest or guest host to say something. But I being will, that you said a lot during this course of the show, basically turned it into a, a streets blog. No, I don't want to talk about show. streets blog. I do want to plug a, a, a story that I, your own reporter Colin Mixon is working on right now. Oh, I just want to give a, a quick plug. This is a very good story. He has this story that, that the Department of Parks and, and I guess they contracted with an outside agency to do a Prospect Park prospect to do park a owns. survey. Of the trees in Prospect Park. Now, Colin, if you're listening to my voice, this is a great story. And if you're out there, click on this story. Because basically what he found out is we all know trees suck all the garbage out of the air and give us oxygen to breathe. That's life. We also know that they're trying to kill us. And and if they had their way, uh, we'd be gone and they would take over because man and trees are in a constant struggle for supremacy over the earth. But let's continue. There's some truth to that. But the the point is they do this survey. And Colin says, oh, my God, it's amazing. There's a lot of trees, and they're helping the environment. Yeah, yeah, we know that. Turns out there's one variety of tree, and I'm not going to reveal which one it is. You're going to have to click tomorrow. There's one variety of trees that is actually better at removing carbon monoxide and dioxide and giving us oxygen than other trees. It's the best tree. It's the big breather. So I'm thinking this is going to change public debate about trees. we got to plant only this tree everywhere. What do you think? I think ultimately it's the it's the law of unintended consequences. You know who my senator is? Who? Velmanette Montgomery. There I you just go. remembered Velmanette. it. Yeah, I yeah. just remembered it. Yeah. Not a fan. <laughs> but she's been in office for like seven hundred and fifty years. Yeah. Never talked to Brooklyn Paper when I worked here. Hmm. Never has the primary. Never has a primary. Really? Just yeah. keeps winning and winning and winning. Well, there's nothing there's no election. That's why I didn't have an election. That's why Where I couldn't remember. Where do you remember. stand on, on uh on term limits in in the state? I'm in favor of term limits. You are in favor yeah. of term limits. Okay. Jimmy, in favor of term limits? Yeah, he gave the thumbs up. All right, listen. I also live on the border of Kevin Parker, so there's some confusion now uh, whether— K-Park, K-Park. 
Because I'm, I'm, my girlfriend is texting me. I think it's Kevin Parker, and I think she might be right. But he didn't have a primary either. Oh, my God. Bill Cosby getting a three to ten years in prison. My state senator is definitely not Bill Cosby. Well, I know a, that. That's a good thing. <laughs> there right, was play- a time, though, that would have been a bad thing. <laughs> but now it's a good thing. It's a good thing that he's not my state senator? Yeah. It's a very good thing he's not my state but there senator. There was a time where everyone would have loved that. Oh, sure. Like Cosby. in the 80s, everyone was like, oh, Cosby's your state senator? That must be cool. That must like, be awesome. no, not cool. No. Not cool. Dun, 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 Why don't you play dun. us out there? Dun, dun, dun. All right. I want to thank my guest host, Gersh Kunstman, for being by my side today. I want to thank Zelnor Myrie for coming on, soon to be state senator. I want to wish Tony Rotuno a get well soon. And I want to tell you, we'll, listen, we'll see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio. We'll see you on Brooklyn Paper Radio.